Hello and welcome to Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. My name is Andrea Lendy, author of the book and Bible reader and studier for over a decade. And I'm excited to share some thoughts with you about today's reading. Welcome to day 298 of Reading the Bible Cover to Cover in 365 Days. Let us pray. Oh Lord, thank you for another day in your word. Help us hear the message you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's see what Jesus is teaching in Mark chapter 3. Jesus healed the man with the withered hand on the Sabbath. The Pharisees' main focus was to catch Jesus doing something against their law so they could find an accusation worthy enough to put him to death. They were always following him, like our modern-day paparazzi, and were so critical of him. Now, we all feel judged and scrutinized at times, but Jesus must have felt this almost all the time. His enemies were constantly watching him to bring charges against him so they could charge him with treason. He healed many people in this chapter, and his notoriety skyrocketed throughout the region. People everywhere tried to simply touch his garment so they could be healed. This must have been quite a spectacle, one that may be like our modern-day celebrities who need bodyguards to protect them. Jesus even asked his disciples to have a boat ready and waiting in case the people crowded him so much that they would crush him. He was accused of being possessed by demons because of his teaching. He told some parables illustrating how this wasn't true, and he warned them about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. We have read about this before, so we know he was warning them about saying something that would prevent them from ever entering the kingdom of heaven. They were getting very close to this stage. Last, we read about his family asking for him. It's quite possible they were trying to save him from all the accusations. It's also possible they were the ones mentioned in verse 21, which says, And when those who belonged to him, his kinsmen heard it, they went out to take him by force, for they kept saying he is out of his mind, beside himself, deranged. His family hadn't seen him act as powerfully as he did here, and even they thought he was a bit crazy. Imagine the Messiah's own relatives thinking he was out of his mind. Not only did the Pharisees and scribes think he was outlandish, but so did his family. In verse 35, he said, For whoever does the things God wills is my brother and sister and mother. We are blessed to be counted as his brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters in his holy kingdom. Let's see what we can learn in Hebrews chapter 12. The author writes about leaving sin behind us as we push toward Christ. He writes that sin deftly and cleverly clings to and entangles us. I think this is a fantastic description of sin. It wraps around us and is difficult to unravel. However, the writer also tells us how to leave sin behind. In verse 2, he writes, Looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to maturity and perfection. We cannot escape sin when we constantly think about it. We must turn our thoughts to something else, or we will get tangled up in it again. Let's turn our thoughts to Christ. Then he tells us to consider what Jesus did for us as he poured out his blood for us on the cross. He writes that no matter how much we have suffered, we need to stay strong and not grow weak. We have not been tested as Jesus was tested. None of us have willingly subjected ourselves to the abuse that Jesus did as he was beaten, whipped, and nailed to the cross. Let us look to him for the strength we need to overcome the temptations that come our way. A familiar set of verses comes next for those of us who have been around church for a while. Talks about discipline, being disciplined by God. We can expect it just as we expect discipline from our parents. Although it may be difficult to endure sometimes, we are encouraged to endure it and know that because we are disciplined, we are also dearly loved. 
We will become stronger in the Lord when we come out on the other side of his discipline. Let's see what Jeremiah is prophesying in chapter 39. The Babylonian troops surrounded Jerusalem for over a year before they fully captured it. They surrounded it so none of the people or businesses could leave and nothing could enter the city, including food and supplies. During this time, people died from famine and disease. In verse 2, we read the Babylonians broke into the city and that their princes came in and sat at the middle gate, signifying they had successfully taken over the city. King Zedekiah and his men fled, but were captured just short of the Jordan River, which may have led to safety. We have read before where Zedekiah's sons were killed in front of him, his eyes were put out, and he was put in chains and taken to Babylon. The city was burned, and only the poorest of the poor people were left behind to tend the land. King Zedekiah's biggest fears were realized, and I'm sure he finally saw that Jeremiah's prophecies were true. Jeremiah was cared for by the Babylonians, and the Ethiopian who saved Jeremiah from the pit was also taken care of, even though the rest of the people lived in captivity. We see God watching over his servant and the one who took care of his servant. His compassion and love are magnificent. In chapter 40, we read about Nebuzaradan, the captain of the king to Nebuchadnezzar. He was familiar with Jeremiah and his prophecy that evil was coming to Judah. He freed Jeremiah and offered to have him come to Babylon with him so he could look after him. He also gave Jeremiah the choice to go back and live in Jerusalem. Jeremiah hesitated at his offer to be cared for, so Nebuzaradan told him to go back. King Nebuchadnezzar put a man named Gedaliah in charge of the remaining people in Judah. He was not of the royal bloodline from the house of David, but he did have the necessary skills to watch over the people and make sure they gave a portion of their crops to Babylon. Some of the military had escaped the Babylonians and returned to Judah when they heard Gedaliah was in charge. Others who had fled at different times also returned. Then we read about a plot to assassinate Gedaliah. He didn't believe the threat and wouldn't let anyone try and deal with it. We will see if the threat was real or not in the next chapter. Let's see what we can learn from Psalm 117. I love this psalm. It is the middle chapter of the Bible. It is also the shortest chapter in the Bible, and it says, O praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people, for his mercy and loving kindness are great toward us, and the truth and faithfulness of the Lord endure forever. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In the middle of God's word, he reminds us to do the most important thing we can do, which is praise him. Praise him in all things. Let us pray. O Lord, thank you for your power and might. Thank you for being our almighty God who has a plan for our lives. Father, help us surrender our hearts and lives to you. May our hearts praise you for who you are and all you do. Keep us yours, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for walking this journey with me and being a faithful reader of God's word. I pray that he shows himself as the God who loves you deeply and cares about every detail in your life. Come back tomorrow for some more thoughts and insights as you read God's word. 